The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today I'm delighted to welcome to the show Derek Mills, who's caused quite a stir in the spiritual metaphysical realms with his book, The 10 Second Philosophy, A Practical Guide to Releasing Your Inner Genius. So Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm always interested, uh, Derek, at the beginning of the show to let our listeners get a sense of how our guests arrived on their awakening path and what actually happened to them. So give us a little bit of uh, background to to what happened in your life. I think it's pretty fair to say, Peter, that most uh, of my life until the age of 38 wasn't my life. I'd been living, you know, as an adult based on what I thought the world would have me be the industry I work within, the clients I work for, and the customers I looked after. I was really trying to be uh, to all things, to all people, and ended up being, uh, I guess, in one respect, a martyr, in as much as that uh, doing working six, seven days a week to serve everybody else, but actually just being, um, well, as near depressed as you can be without being diagnosed, (laughs) and also um, financially broke. Um, What was interesting for me is that I, you know, lost my mother, as you know, at an early age at 13. That caused me to develop uh, an emotional block, and I had a stutter, or a stammer, as you might call it there. And I couldn't speak properly until, uh, you know, a moment came to me in my mid-twenties that caused me to re-examine and then to go on a path of discovering how to learn to speak again, to become a proper speaker. And only to find that I was still broke, even though I discovered my voice for the second time. As I continued on that journey... The unhappiness continued, the broken relationships, the disjointed relationships continued. And then I got to, you know, to the point where I was having to save my house from repossession, uh, to, um, to have the bailiffs come into my house and suffer the ignominy of that. And then getting to a point where just one night, nine years ago, I realized, you know, that this life isn't mine. And like many people, if I continue to live a life that isn't mine, I will have shuffled off this mortal coil, never having lived as the true me. And in one moment, which, you know, I call the tense of the first 10 second moment, I, I found something else inside of me, something else that caused a shift. And I was able to access who I truly am and began to live from that place. And that just changed the whole of my life. So that's the brief uh, journey. 
So, Derek, before we before we go on to that that moment, can you obviously you've reflected back on that moment when you were a teenager and the the loss of a family member and the stuttering? Yeah. Can you tell us what you think was behind that? Well, it's actually uh, interesting because I got home from school that day. I was thirteen years old and found the, the house full of family and relatives. And uh, as I was kind of trying to figure out what was going on, one of the neighbours burst into the house and just shouted that you no, know, Mavis is dead. Mavis is dead, and she began weeping. Uh, by the way, Mavis is my mother's name. Uh, her real name is uh, Kathleen Carilda Mills, but Mavis was her pet name. And it was that that's how I learned that she died. She'd been in hospital for a minor operation, and really something had gone wrong. She had a massive pulmonary embolism and died. But and here's what I can share with you. I didn't believe it. I knew it was a mistake. I knew that it was wrong. And even when I went to bed that night, I cried myself to sleep, hugging the bed. Because I knew if I could just get to sleep, that when I woke up, it would all be a, a dream. Or, and I'd wake up and find that it was just a big mistake. Uh, when I woke up, of course, it wasn't a dream. It, it was reality. You know, and she was gone. So I guess it was that, at that time, not being willing to accept that tragedy and saying it's not real, it's not true, that I believe now caused a block to occur. Because when I tried to speak the following day, I found that I couldn't. And for about a week or two after the funeral, I couldn't speak. It's only when I went back to school and I kind of had to talk that I began to speak with this awful stutter. So I do believe in answering your question that it was a, a block because I was resisting the truth around me. And I was closing down that truth. And in closing down that truth, I really did close myself down and lose my voice. So how did you, uh, how did you, how, you resolved that in your 20s, so you stammered for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. So how, how did you finally resolve that? Uh, with a blessing. Um, I was about 25 years old, and one day I was asked to introduce uh, this chap at the office who was doing a brief seminar for, for new potential recruits. And what was really interesting is, I, I, Peter, I resisted that moment. I kept saying, well, I can't do this introduction. Even though it's only 30 seconds to a minute saying, here's, here he is, here's his name and bring him into the room. I couldn't do it, and I resisted that. Until it came obvious, he said to me, there's no one else here to do this. You've got to do it. So I made this introduction to these 15, 16 new potential recruits, and all I did was stammer, I stuttered, and I sweated, and I just wished the earth would swallow me up. And after that minute, I brought him into the room, he did his talk. About a month later, when my blessing came, a young lady who was in the audience that day wrote me this letter, and she told me in that letter who she was, what she'd done, her successes, her qualifications. She mentioned that she didn't get a job with the organisation, but she wondered how she couldn't when someone like you, Mr Mills, who can't even speak properly and who babbles incoherently, can be working there and I can't. So what that caused me to do in that moment, apart from being horrendously terrified that people could read my thoughts and therefore read the letter, it caused me to realise that she was absolutely right. Forget the intention of what she had. I couldn't speak properly. I'd be hiding from that point. So I then went on speaking courses. And anyone that's listening right now that has an issue with speaking in public or having a stutter or some speech issues, I did, I did not go on a stuttering course. I didn't want to be a stutterer. I went on a speaking course. And one of the main courses I went on was the Dale Carnegie 14-week effective speaking course. And I was horrendous to start with. But by the end of that 14 weeks, uh, I picked up the award for the most developed person. 
you could argue you could argue I was at a low point to start with, so you know, <laughs> it was an obvious winner for that award. But um, you had further to go than most. <laughs> well, yeah, it got me to, um, to realize I could then speak. But as you know from the story, it's um, I share in the book. That was in my um, mid to late twenties. I didn't become a professional speaker until about three years ago, when the how I changed my life. People then began to ask, "What did you do?" And that's when I found my voice for the third time. It was the inner voice, the true self. And then that's where I speak from. And you've got a beautiful got a voice now, if I may say so. Oh, thanks, Peter. Very, very smooth and beautiful, yeah. So I also want to just come back to a couple of words that you used in, in your introduction there, because they're really important. And that is you use the word martyr and mm-hmm. serving everybody else rather than serving your own needs. Just describe and explain what you mean by that. Yeah. Part of what I uh, share is uh, it's just a simple phrase. It's called the A, B, C, and C which is about um, being authentic, balanced, centered, and connected. And the, the, the balanced part means that uh, when we, in our lives, just give, 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 then we can cause suffering for ourselves, and we can also lose the right to serve. Because when we are balanced, we can give and we can value what we do in the world. And as a result of that, we can accept back value to ourselves. So at one end, if we don't value what we do and we don't appreciate that we are here in the physical world with rules such as if you don't work, you don't eat. And if you don't pay your bills, they take your house. I know that one for real. Um, If we work on that basis, we end up being martyrs, but we end up, but martyrs suffer. But the other end of that scale of balance is we can be greedy where we can think it's all about me. It's what I can make, it's what I can get from this. And when we do that, the world suffers, if that's where we come from. So it was about recognizing that neither a martyr nor greedy be. It's about being centered, balanced in the middle, where you can serve and accept some reward back to yourself. Accept it, because it's, it's what we're part of. And as I was just thinking that, it just made me think of a brief analogy in the Bible. Um, you know, Jesus, from a couple of thousand years ago, we know that he was a carpenter, and that was his profession. We also know that Mary's earthly husband, Joseph, that he was a carpenter. Nowhere in scripture does it actually say that they made tables and chairs and wardrobes and cupboards and gave them away for nothing at the door. It doesn't actually say they didn't do that, but it doesn't say they did do that. <laughs> so I believe they were professional carpenters. that They were to, to recognize that they can give and add value to others. And it's okay to have value given back to you as well. And that, of course, increases your opportunity to serve more. Thank you. And then the other thing I just wanted to, to ask you, because I think, it's, again, it's really, really important. This was on the little YouTube uh, video on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that, you talked about, again, when you were going through this challenging time, that you were with your family, but you weren't with your family because they would be doing whatever they were doing. Your thoughts were on the work and the not making enough money. So you were not present with your children. Can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, I think, Peter, for all of us, I mean, everyone listening, me, you and everyone else, there are times in our lives when we maybe stop for a moment, if we dare to stop for a moment, and recognise that maybe that life isn't really ours. We're not living the life that's truly us. And the tragedy of not being your true self or living a life that's true to you, you, which is coming from your truth, which means it's difficult to be true with others when you're not living your own truth. So even when I had so little time with my wife and children because I was working all these hours and six-odd days a week, I found that you know, years later, when the children would say to me, you know, Dad, you remember this, and Dad, you remember that, and we went there, and you said this, and these people were there. I didn't even remember. 
because when I was with them, my mind was so busy thinking, who am I going to call tomorrow? Who can I do business with? And my mind was elsewhere. I wasn't in the present. I wasn't in the now. I wasn't really living the life. I was just being in that life. And the reverse of that, you could argue, was that um, even when I was in the office, because I was suffering emotionally, when I was in the office and trying to do all this work and working till 10, 11 o'clock in the evening, I was really not being able to do that very well because I was thinking about, well, I wonder what the kids are doing now and uh, are they in bed yet? And uh, I wonder how Jerry's feeling right now. I haven't seen her since, you know, since yesterday morning when I got up. And, you know, when I was in the office, I wasn't really there either. So I was actually nowhere. And again, the tragedy of being of not being our true self, the tragedy of being non-self, is we if when we do have moments, we miss them. We don't truly experience them. We just go through them like a silent movie. And the idea for me now is, of course, is to capture all the moments. When we live as our true selves, we can be in the moments. We can be present. We can be in the now. And that's how we get to share the love and the light and the gifts of our experience with others, which is nurturing and developing and enlightening for them, but also is good for our own spiritual journey. So when you're with people, uh, perhaps in a one-on-one discussion uh, or a little group discussion, and you yeah. can see some of those people are what you used to be, what do you, mm. do, what do, you do? Well, you know, the first thing is I always try and ascertain is um, what challenges does that bring to them? Because it's okay me sharing my story, but the idea is that everyone has a story. But it's about tell me what does that mean to you as a person and helping them to understand what the potential, what they may not share with anyone else, even their loved ones, to really share what is important about that and what is that costing you, what's the price of not being in your true self. And then really helping them to explore both what it means to be their true self, maybe for the very first time, and secondly, how to do some practical things to move away from that place and to live a life which is honest and truth and authentic to themselves. Because, you know, one of the things that uh, I often say, particularly working with uh, with a lot of business people who have got families, I often share the fact that you know, when they have their husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, parents, children especially, that these are the angels, you know, sent from heaven for your life, for you to share this journey with. And when heaven sends you angels, you've got to work out a way of being with them. <laughs> Derek, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my little grandson who's just almost two, and I have those moments with him totally. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? So we're just coming up to our first break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about that 10-second moment that changed Derek Mills' life. It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. 
Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where all our news uh, is there and all the radio shows archived. Uh, take a look at our Dragon Tour, which is going off to central Scotland and the south of England in the, the end of September, where we'll be working with the sacred uh, ley lines and energy currents that run through the landscape and doing some sacred ceremony there. And also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. Uh, and our Ambassadors of Light program, and we have a class tomorrow evening at uh, Thursday at 5.30, and I'll be talking about our recent trip to Golden, British Columbia, where we did some really interesting work with the landscape there and some of the sacred sites in the Canadian Rockies, and I'm sure many of you have heard about the incredible floods that have taken place uh, from Calgary west through Canmore, and I'll be talking a bit about what I believe is happening there and and, and as a result of... uh, this last week's very powerful energies that were uh, with us. I have with me today Derek Mills, and Derek is sharing his story. And uh, Derek, I'd love to f- now for you to talk about that 10-second moment that changed your life, having really struggled through stuttering and then through work and with your family, basically not feeling as if you're doing a good job with anything. And then you had this moment in time. Tell us about it. Indeed, Peter. And one thing that I, if I might share this is that I think that the universe is constantly um, collaborating with us to try and to get us to wake up and to discover you know, the gift of what we truly are. And I say collaborating with us because it just kind of, you know, keeps throwing us ideas and thoughts and questions and phrases and opportunities. The challenge is that many people, now, include myself until about age 38, don't really see those opportunities and the messages from the universe and when we do see them it's as if we cover them back over and keep walking on as if there was something else we're waiting for well i did that for uh, for about 38 years because in that um in that moment when i was in the office uh, just over nine years ago now and the security guard came to the office and literally said to me you know um it's time to go now and I just said, well, give me some more time. And, you know, as it approached 10 o'clock, he came back in and said, you know, it's time to go now. Shall I lock up the building? And I simply said, well, you know, um, I need two more minutes. And it was that then, Peter, that he looked at me and he simply said one simple question. He said, what time did you get in this morning? 
And then he walked away. I said, kind of, I said, well, eight o'clock, you know. But in that space, that one simple question, which was not a lightning bolt from heaven, was not a hammer, was not anything massive and dramatic that occurred. It was simply a simple question, a still, small voice. And in that moment, as he walked away, I realized, when I've been up since six, on the road since seven, in the office at eight, it's now almost ten in the evening, my regular pattern, day in, day out, week in, week out, years after years. And in that space, I recognized one thing. This was not my life. And I was desperately unhappy, clinically unhappy. And the reason why I was desperately unhappy is because, like most people, when you're living a life of non-self, you can't be happy as non-self. You're going to be happy as true self. And in that moment, the, the real, what I might call an epiphany, came to me. It was like I was rooted to the spot and feelings and concepts and ideas just came through me and began to speak to me in, in those first, what I call the first 10 seconds. And I literally recognized a voice as being my voice, a voice that I didn't know before, but I knew it was me. And it was that first 10 second moment that my true self began to express itself in my life. And it gave me some guide, guidance around now that I will never be happy as non-self. So one of the things I realized that was causing me to be my non-self was about setting goals into the future with this wish to be happy one day when I'd achieved and when I'd got X. And my true self said to me, stop doing that. Stop setting goals. Goals cause a disconnect from who you truly are. Stop doing that. Which is hard because, of course, as most people, I had decades of training of, to set goals. But it said, you're not happy because of this. And then it began to give me some guidance around go into the true self, listen to that place, follow your intuition and guidance from that place and set standards and live at daily standards from that place. And I was really, <clears throat> you know, sometimes in life, Peter, where we've all had tough times. And isn't it a weird thing that when we are in OK and good times, we don't often go inside ourselves often enough. But often the bad times allows the opportunity, as I call them a blessing, to go inside and to discover more. And that's what I did. I literally began to discover what the right standards were for me, for my life, in all the key areas. And I was able to define what a standard was. And the standard is a, a basis, a criteria, a level, a quality or a rule that we set from within. All called standards that we set from within, not from without. And that gives the practical way to get our true self into our day. And that's what I began to do. And I followed through all the messages and that was it. So a lot of the uh, self-help books industry talk about setting goals. And, and, and so this is going very much against that. So Indeed. perhaps you could explain a little bit how you see the difference between setting standards and setting goals. Okay. Well, the first thing about, you know, you're right. For the last hundred plus years, almost everyone you know, in the personal development world and even the spiritual world says, well, have your goals. But I would ask a question you know, to an individual listening right now or to the wider world. And the question is, well, how is that working out for you? Because if we're all told that you must set goals to be happy and successful, that's, that's the key thing that the people tell us. That, uh, well, how come we haven't got the happiness and success we've all been striving for for the last 140 odd years? It's, it's been a really key message. And the reason is, is that, uh, you know, that, see, goals, uh, we're human beings. And as, as humans, we set goals to have you know, that weight, that income, that house, that car, that business, make a difference, whatever, whatever it might be. And it's always about doing that next week, having that tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, three years, five years, ten years. And here's the problem. I've been around the world like yourself and spoken to people and I've asked them the question, have you ever set a goal to be unhappy? 
And the answer really is, well, uh, funny you should say that, but no, <laughs> nobody does, you know. So everyone sets up their goals over the next week or five years to be happy as a result of achieving that goal. Therein lies the problem. That's where the happiness stays. Because when we say when we get this, then we will be happy. And the challenge with this is that we all know, don't we, that happiness is a now experience. So by setting goals, it causes a disconnect from the true spirit, from the true self, and have us almost defer our happiness from the present and from the now into the future. Now, there are some challenges that we now face because most people don't achieve their goals anyway. So that is a permanent deference of their happiness. So when the teachers say to us, set goals to achieve happiness and success, I really do want to challenge that and just say, well, please demonstrate how that's working for the world right now. And if most people don't achieve their goals, according to some research that was done last year in North America by Leslie PR, it said that only 3% of North Americans achieve their life goals. Well, if that's the case, the other 97% have a permanent deference of happiness. So happiness um, is in our experience, and goals say be happy in the future when you've done X. So here's the difference. What a standard says and a standard does, a standard is a now experience. A standard says, go inside of you and discover the basis, criteria, qualities, levels and rules for you now as a human being and be that person now. Do not wait. Be your truth now. And the idea behind this standards is not to do this for next week or for a month or for a year, just for today. Because as we're given life, we're given life one day at a time. This is the blessing. We fall asleep. And tonight when we fall asleep, we can just say to ourselves, I'm going to set some standards for my life from within. And I only have to stick at those standards just until I get my head back on my pillow tonight. Because standards are a one day at a time thing. And if you wake up in the morning, you've got another day of life, you can stick to your standards for one more day. But it's a one day commitment. Um, And this, what it does there, it takes the pressure off having to achieve some goal, which you may never do. And it keeps you present, it keeps you now, and your happiness is experienced now. So give us an example of some of those standards that you're talking about. So, for example, when I I was really uh, suffering, when when I woke up that night, uh, it's it's no surprise that I set some standards around um, my business, because my business, of course, had taken over my life and, and took me away from my family and happiness and all that emotional um, well-being. So I just said, and I looked at my whole business and just said, right, okay, my standards are that I'm not going to any longer drive all over the country because this is a new rule for me, new standard. Um, Having nearly crashed once, nearly killed myself on the motorway, I'm not going to drive around the UK anymore just to go and see clients and customers. I'm going to work out a way by saying to them, come and see me in the office as standard. This is the new rule. All customers, all clients come and see me. No more weekends working at all no more evening appointments on a friday a brand new rule was i would spend friday what what i call jerry time my wife is called geraldine so jerry for short friday became jerry time every morning i improve the quality of my life standard of my children by saying i would take them to school every single day and pick them up from school and what was really interesting is that when i began to look at my customers and clients I set new criteria and levels that they would have to transact with me in order to qualify to be a client. And as weird as it may sound, some of those criteria were financial, as in the financial standard, minimum order or minimum level of transaction. And some of those were around, hey, most of the clients I had until that point, most of the customers were abusing my service. They were making me come to them late at night, making me come to them at weekend. They knew I had a wife and children. They didn't care. They wanted the result for them. And I became a martyr. I then said, okay, here's the thing, a new standard. Not only must my clients meet this minimum criteria, 
there must be nice people that appreciate what I do and that I have a life as I appreciate them and they have a life. And what was really interesting, I was so happy, it was almost like a revelation to me to set and live by these new standards, that when I <laughs> I created a, a, a chart of all the new standards, you know, that impacted my life, my, my relationships, my business. I colour-coded this chart. I even laminated this chart. I gave a copy to my children, copy to my wife and said, new dad, new husband, new standards. And I stuck at those standards on a permanent basis. And it literally revolutionised the whole of my life. And I want to say there's just one thing there, Peter, just as a reason why I did all that, because yes, business did go backwards for a while. And, and yes, of course, there were challenges. But here's the most important thing. Why I discovered that just like in relationships, in business, just like in relationships, people will treat you and give you the respect based upon the standards that you set. So it's about going to your truth and setting standards from that place that have the real you interacting with others in the world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So were you essentially then in the same business before and after to begin with? This this was the, uh, the magic. Exact, and it was I in the same business. I was in the same office. <laughs> but uh, back then when I was, you know, I worked as, as an agent and I still do. Um, one of the businesses is this agent. And um I used to share an office with, with with two other people who also weren't doing very well. Cause, no, that's what they do, isn't it, in, in the world. When they, we're not doing very well, they're cramming into a small office with other people <laughs> also not doing very well. And that helps, doesn't it? <laughs> and um, out of about 1,200 agents at that time, I was about a 1,000 in terms of how much business have you produced this year. Um, within three years of setting these new standards and sticking at them long enough to see what would happen if I did, my whole world changed. I went from the company grew to around 1,600 agents and I went into the top, top 30 producers in the whole company, not just in the same company with the same office, but it was just now my own, the same products, the same services, the same economy. No, nothing had changed. What changed was I had changed. I changed on the inside and I was able to get that light, that representation out into the world. And when the world sees you differently, it treats you differently. And when the world treats you differently, everything will change for you. So, Derek, we're coming up to our, our second break, and we'll take that now. And we'll, when we come back, I want to talk a bit about that view others have of you when you make this change. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. 
Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsor for this series of shows, Sherry Chase and Chase International Real Estate Company from Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, offering their tremendous support to this program and to me personally. And also to uh, the people at Voice America, Matt, who is our engineer on a regular basis, and my uh, producer, Brandy Jackson, and they provide this tremendous opportunity for all of you, our listeners, to hear these great shows with people who've gone through their own journey and have got some insights to share with our listeners, as is the case with Derek Mills today. And Derek, having got to that moment, that 10-second moment of realization, the next step is bringing it into reality and then how you handle all the people around you who don't yet know you've made that change. So tell us about that. Yeah. I think for all of us, uh, the uh, universe knows who we are, where we come from, because we're part of it. And therefore, it, um, I kind of made an analogy once, uh, which may be not a great analogy, but I kind of said the universe is a bit like a machine. Every, when, every, when it works perfectly well, when every part is playing its part. And when something else goes out of sync, the rest of the machine tries to put it back into do what it, what it should do and, and to let its, let its gift go through the rest of the machine. So I really do believe that 10-second moments exist for all of us all the time when the universe is giving us messages in words, thoughts, questions, phrases, ideas, and opportunities to make that shift. And for often for most people, where they miss the opportunity to shift is when they're not paying attention. And for those that pay attention, is if they don't shift, it's because they're not taking action from that place. So do you want to just share that with you for a moment? So going to the shift, when I began to... Uh, to really live my life as my true self, the first thing that I know is that I was happy. And I was happy day one, because day one, I was now living as myself. I remember right now being in the office and saying to myself, if I'm going to continue one more day on this planet, I'm going to do it as me. And you know what? I knew I was going to do that. So I became happy immediately. I didn't have to wait. Happiness was there. And standards are like happiness. They are now experience. One of the challenges of setting standards for your life from your true self is that Everyone else around you has known you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years as the old you. So they will continue for a while to treat you as your old self and treat you at your old standards, both business and personally. And the offer that I, I kind of share in the book um, is around how to be patient with people who are around you. Because it's not anyone's fault that you used to live in non-self. So when you make that shift... You can't expect everyone to suddenly change around you immediately. Many will do, but you have to be patient with the rest, especially when you set new or higher for you standards in your life. Because you've set new standards for your life, it does not mean everybody conforms to that straight away. 
Many will, but others it will take time. And there are some really big examples of this, um, Peter, because remember back in nine, December 1955 when Rosa Parks got on that bus? Yes. Um, she sat on, on, on this bus and she remained sitting in that seat at the front of the bus even when someone of a different skin colour came up to her and said, move to the back of the bus. But she didn't move. And she didn't move because in that moment, her truth was speaking to her. Her truth was saying, actually, this is you. This is how you should treat yourself. This is the right standard for you to be here, to be as good or as bad as anyone. You're a good person. You're the right person. And she began in that very moment to treat herself as according to her truth and have that standard in her life, a new standard, and to not just think it and feel it, as she'd done for many years before, but to act from that place. Now, let's put this into context. For the previous 300 years, African-Americans had marched and said one day, and they that those famous plaques that said one day, and they sung that song about one day. What they meant was one day they're going to get equality. One day they're going to have freedom to go in any washroom, to ride anywhere on the bus, to do what they want, and be able to vote and all the things that people of a different skin colour could do. And it was always about one day. Well, in that moment, Rose Parks said, this is not goal anymore. This is about my truth can being evident in this place right now through me. And she said, today. What was really interesting about that is that, as we know, she was arrested because <laughs> she set that standard for herself, but the rest of the world hadn't conformed to that standard yet. But she was arrested, and you know, just around the corner, Martin Luther King became um, was elected head of the Montgomery Improvement Association. And, of course, we know what history tells us. He took up her case, and in truth, ignited the civil rights movement from that place. He became Dr. Martin Luther King because of the ignition of Rosa Parks. His, his fame took from that place. But the court said, no, you're arrested. You're going to jail here because that's the wrong standard that you're living by. But she, pers she persevered in that standard and went, took her to a higher court and then the highest court in America. And that court eventually said, you know what? I think she's got the right standard. Everyone should be able to ride anywhere on the bus, any washroom and any school. And she changed the world by sticking to that standard long enough to see what would happen if she did. And this is the message for all of us. We may not be heroes of parks, but we do not know the gift that's inside of us when we stick to it with practical standards, the change we're going to make in our own lives or maybe even the world. So it is about being patient and sticking to your truth. So, Derek, what happens, what happens when you uh, actually fall short of one of your standards? What about the day you don't actually get to take the kids to school or you don't have your free time as you expected to because something comes in or just because on that particular day, you don't quite make it. How, how do you treat yourself? Now, I treat myself um, as I am, as a human being that is fallible. So I guess in, in the old days, <laughs> you know, when I set goals, like most of the people, set goals, didn't hit them, felt down, felt less than, lost my confidence, lack, lack of self-esteem. So when I have a standard, that is something which I know if I'm going to breach that standard, or if I do breach that standard, I simply say, that is where I've got to work on, because that's my truth. Because you know the truth, it doesn't mean you can always be the truth 100% of the time, because none of us are, you know, um, are perfect. So it's about recognising this is not a beat-up opportunity, it's not a put-yourself-down opportunity, it's recognition. And here's what we can do. What led me to this place? How come 
I'm not now doing this. How come I'm, you know, eating and I've put on two stone? <laughs> that wouldn't happen in reality because, of course, the daily standard would keep you in check on, you know, so uh, we, we put on weight, you know, one bite at a time. But whenever I, I get close to breaching a standard or if I do, if I do failing the standard, I don't see there's anything other than this is a method for me to recognize pause. How did I get to this place? And it's that which needs examining. How do I allow this to happen? And then look at shifting so I don't breach that standard again. And you know, there are other times, of course, where I literally um, do have a change in standard. So, for example, when I um, had my shift and sometimes since then, working with certain clients of mine, which I would say this is the number they must have to get through the doors to do business with me. If I'm going to serve them, I'm happy to get this level of business for me. And then I'd meet someone and something about my spirit just said, they don't meet that financial criteria. But you know what? What I'm, what I'm feeling here, what I'm connecting with is their spirit and their person and that I'm here for them. And I'll absolutely accept and be happy with having someone that does not even come close to the financial criteria, but that my heart and spirit says, look after them. So it's a journey for all of us. But when I see, but I don't see that as as, as failure. I see that as that's more my truth being evident in in my life. So two things: one, breaching standard. The first thing to do is look at how you got to that place, not the breaching, but how did you get to that breach? Because it's just for today. Remember, when you set a standard, it's just for that one day. How did I get here today? And the second thing is that. Your standards come from your true self. And of course, they have to keep you in your true self. So if your true self speaks to you and says, with this spirit you're with right now, and the space you're sharing with this person, for want of a better word, this person needs you in their life or needs your service here. If it comes from your truth rather than your ego or your mind, then my belief is you need to follow that truth. And it does, you know, as at all times, your truth is more important than courage or anything else may come into play. Is that being your truth? The, uh, the subtitle to the book, uh, The 10 Second Philosophy, is a practical guide to releasing your inner genius. Yes. How can, you t- can you tell us with a few practical guides how to get into yeah. that place? Uh, one of the first things is to do regular meditations. Now, we don't call them really meditations in the book. We just call them you know, capturing the moment. Every single day there are words, thoughts, questions, phrases, ideas from all around us that cause us to stop or to pause. And it's about taking that moment and literally letting the message, the word, the thought, the question, the phrase, the picture, the opportunity, let it go inside of you. And almost doing that kind of at least a 10 second meditation, take the idea or the thought or the phrase or the words inside of you and let them sink into your true self. And so that the true self gets a time for, for seconds, if it needs to be, just for seconds, if that's all you've got, time to work on the inside of you to see what the true self, what your truth will do with that gift that was given to you. But that isn't it. We have to do more than just take ourselves inside and be introspective and pay attention. The real gift when we move away from the ego is when we feel what's on the inside of us and our truth. It's about taking action from that place. So every one of us has had opportunities in our day, sometimes many times in our day, and certainly within our week or in our month, in our, in our life, where we've been stopped or paused, and the university, that's where the universe is talking to you. And when you feel the universe speaking to you, stop, pause, 
take that message or that guidance inside to see what happens to you. Almost like, you know, people don't meditate. Nobody does that. I appreciate that. Almost like doing a mini meditation. Take it inside and see what it means for the, for the real you on the inside. And then here's the key thing. Your true self will then give back to you words, thoughts, questions, phrases and ideas of what you can do from that place. Therefore, it's vital when you have your inner guru, your inner genius speaking to you to take action from that place. That's, that's what we do. That's the practical side of the philosophy. And it's so easy to get distracted away from that quiet moment, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, the world is almost, you know, designed to take us away from that. That's why it's so easy to be non-self, isn't it? But, you know, it's, um, I do appreciate this. So having been on the journey and counseled and coached and mentored people, I appreciate this. This isn't just a philosophy. It's about real people living through through this process. So I know when it comes to taking those moments, what I just call 10-second moments, and the, the book is is full of things, I'm going to leave that, the moments and ideas that causes the reader to pause. That's the whole objective, is to give people the 10-second moments throughout the book, and also to have them be more aware and open to 10-second moments in their life. It was designed deliberately from that way, from my genius to the reader's genius. So the idea is that every one of us has that genius or that guru on the inside, but if we ignore it, if we don't go there, it can't guide us. And if, we, if it guides us that we don't take action, what are we doing there? It's about taking guidance from that place and taking action in the world. This is how we change things. This is how we change our lives. This is how we become not just our truth on the inside, but our truth in the whole of our life. And, and that's really important. So Derek, we're coming up to our final break, which we'll take now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. If you are looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Derek Mills, and Derek has on his website a free life standards system called Perfect. So, Derek, perhaps you could give us your website and tell us a bit about that. Thanks, Peter. The, the website is obviously www. and it's Derek, D-E-R-E-K hyphen mills dot com. Derek hyphen mills dot com. Um, the Perfect uh, Life Standards System is really uh, a tool that I use uh, initially with people who have gotten you know, no experience of using standards to change their life. So when I first changed my life around it, I worked on certain key areas of that life, you know, health, relationships, family, business, emotions, environment. So the Perfect uh, standard System goes through um, seven key areas around the personal health and fitness, the environment, relationships, family, emotions, career, and time. And of course, that mnemonic spells perfect. What it does is really uh, four key things. It gives us the opportunity to review where did our existing standards come from in these areas? Because of course, most people are not even aware they are operating from standards in those areas. So where did our existing standards come from? Some of those standards are 20 or 30 years old, but we're still running them. The second thing uh, is a question that says to us, which of these standards still serve and honor me? right now for who i am right now for my truth and the third part then says okay if the ones that no longer serve and honor you what do we do with them the idea is to let go or drop or get rid of those standards that no longer serve you and set new standards to take their place so the process is a journey through uh, from there through to here into the real you and then committing to stick into those new standards just for today just until you get your head back on your pillow tonight so it's just a step um, it's a fantastic tool because people then who had no experience of standards get to understand how to begin to look at them, recognizing the importance and setting new ones and I mean, are empowered and encouraged to live from that place. I'd love to, to hear you talk a bit about the characteristics of the true self and, and how you know you're living your truth. Yeah, uh, certainly the, the true self. I know many people uh, talk about the true self and that being the spirit, the essence that we came here as. And there are many descriptions of that, the truth part of the source, intelligent energy. And that's what I understand. What came through from my geniuses, which is my you know, light that, that, was, that was given to me, which, which, I, which I share, was that there are four parts to the true self. And the first part is our truth. It's about the true self, after all, living and being our truth. The second part is about the journey that we have both in this world whilst on this physical plane, but also the journey within, because the true self isn't an on-off scenario. It's uh, we are more in our true self or we are less of our true self each day. But the, the last two characteristics are perhaps the most interesting for, you know, for people on, on a practical basis, because the third one is what's called faculty. Every single one of us came into this world with, with the essence of who we are, with gifts, abilities, talents, energy, love and light. These gifts, as I call them, are part of who we truly are. And in our lives, we often have a time where we call um, maybe something called the zone, or we say we're in the flow. You know, and in business or sports or relationships, we're in the zone or the flow, where we just make 
absolutely incredible and we we are we amaze ourselves and those around us and for a moment just for a while we are really acting or being or speaking or doing like geniuses and then the moment passes and we say well i was in the zone that day that was a really good meeting i was in the flow and i, I realized that over time what came through me was that was not the flow i don't believe in the flow or the zone or anything like that i simply say what came through me was that that was your true self at play in your life so when you acted like or became or spoke like a genius for a moment that was when your true self was at the surface of you that's when you really allowed it through in that space and that means that the gift that you had in that place is the real you you weren't in a zone you weren't in a flow that was just your true self at play in your life so here's the question what would your life now look like if you're able to get that true self genius into your life not just three years ago when you had that zone moment but once a, once a month, once a week. What if you and your true self genius once a day or many times throughout the day? What can you do in your life and in the world? So that the, the learning there is that this is no zone that you did. This is you. And it's about recognizing when you're not in that place and working and going back inside to hold and live and be in that space. So that's the true self characteristic of faculty, the gifts that are already inside of you that you can use to change your life and maybe the world. And the very last part of, or fourth characteristic, is from that place, we are then greater connected to everything else outside of us. Faculty is what the gifts we came in as inside of us. The conduit is the access to everything else, back to the source, to light, to wisdom, to knowledge that's not inside. And I share some examples in the book of where that has worked for me and other people to access the conduit, something greater than ourselves. Now, Derek, one of the one of the things I know from many of the spiritual people I know, and I'm sure some of our listeners, is that they still live in somewhat uh, poverty type scenarios as spiritually aware and awake people. And you are not, and you're doing extremely well financially. So, so what do you say to those people who are still struggling and can't quite marry their spiritual path with their financial uh, safety, at least security? I think one of the things that, that I've learned, having spoken to people you know, around the world on, on this subject, is to say, when, when our true genius, when the gift of who we are, our spirit comes into this world, it's okay to utilize that, not just to further our spirituality, but to improve our journey here as well. So it's, it's really odd, and it's one of those things that I guess will, will remain a mystery, is that Often I meet people who are the most beautiful, enlightened people who almost have this issue with money or having value for themselves. And I genuinely know and believe this to be true, that it's okay to look at ourselves as oneness, as in we are spiritual beings. And it's okay to increase that spirituality, but to also increase our what you might call prosperity in this world. But there's a really interesting way that I learned as I went on this journey. Um, I love the idea of what you talk about, about the, the heart-centered business practice, because it is so close to that. One of the things I began to do was to take my spiritual-centered, meditative place into every business meeting that I had. So I held an authentic, you know, I was, I was my authentic person in those meetings and in my transactions around prospecting and doing business. I was balanced, neither martyr nor greedy. I was centered my energy levels were too high that can sometimes push people away. And it wasn't so low that I didn't have that connection. You talk about the ABC, authentic, balanced, centered self, is you get the greater connection with others. It's as if to say what happened for me was when I was authentic, balanced and centered, other people just connecting into me so much easier than they ever had before. 
they were able to say, let me put it this way. I think that all of us know we're from the oneness, even if we don't recognize it in our conscious minds. We're all from the same place. So when we therefore see another being in that light of themselves, we want to be part of that. And this may sound really strange for, you know, for, for someone who's run a financial services business for all of these years, but the biggest leap in my business results came by me being authentic, balanced, centered, and daring to be that place, daring to be my truth, even in every single business meeting. It was as if to say the world began to say to me, where have you been? We've been waiting for this kind of person in our life. We have not seen this before. And now we know this is in, within you. We want to do business with you. And, and all I can say, as if by magic, in the same office with the same products and the same services, I became a millionaire within three years. And then was able to earn a million dollars US in one year by doing the same business in the same zip codes, as you would call it, with the same products. Talking to people that in previous years, I could not get the connection with. This is vitally important. Bring our essence, bring our true self into the business world because the people out there that want to buy products and services are yearning for this. They're not seeing it elsewhere. So when we show up, they say, I'll do business with her. I'll do business with him. And then you hold that space for them and you maintain that relationship. So Derek, we are right out of time and I really, really appreciate your your time with me today on the show. It's been a wonderful hour spent with you and thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. God bless. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Sheva Carr, and she will be talking about her journey through discovering what it would really mean to live from the heart and see life in all its ups and downs, trials and tribulations from a place of love, being the source of love with Sheva Carr. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. A happy holidays celebrations to those from the U.S. next July 4th and Canada Day on July 1st next week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.